Hey friends, I'm Sierra. And I'm Caitlin. And we're friends. But we've never met each other in real life. That's because technology allows you to feel like you're virtually best friends with everyone that you meet online, which is pretty cool. Through storytelling, we're able to learn about others' passions and drives and learn what makes them unique. We want to hear your story so that we can become virtually best friends. Hey, VVFs, welcome back to another episode. We are so thrilled to have you here this week. It is May, and we are so excited to be able to share about World Lupus Day today, which we will get into later. But before we get there, Sierra, how are you doing? Caitlin, I'm just out here trying to make it, as the kids say. Do kids say that? I don't think so. But I'll get into that when I get into my thumbs down for the week. But I think this is a good time to just jump right into our thumbs up, thumbs down. If you're just joining us for the first time, thumbs up, thumbs down is where Caitlin and I share some of the positive things that we have happened to us during the week. And it's also where we share some of the things that were kind of like, meh, things that weren't, you know, top of our list, but it's okay. Yeah. Things that didn't quite fill our buckets. Yeah, it's cool. We like to start off with the down, though, so we can end on a positive note. Caitlin, what was your thumbs down this week? My thumbs down is just an overall feeling of teacher tired. Now, I have to do a shout out because, once again, I've got to turn this into a silver lining that there is this teacher on Instagram called Mr. D times three. If you haven't seen him, and he has this whole collection of series about teacher tired, and I didn't totally realize how much teacher tired I was this year of just that extreme exhaustion, especially after teaching online all year. And I think it's just really been hitting me how tired I am. I actually haven't been able to remember things that I was supposed to be doing, even though I get notifications for them on my calendar. That is where I'm at on being tired and no amount of sleep has been helpful at this point. We're just on the countdown until summer. So that is my thumbs down. Sierra, what's your thumbs down? My thumbs down is that it is so hot, so oh. hot in my apartment, you guys. Um, so it's just, it's been, we've been getting like a good consistent few 80 plus degree days here in the DMV area, which no complaints. I love some nice weather, the sun's shining, it's a great time to get outside. Um, it is not great when your air conditioning is not on yet. And you are kind of boiling in your apartment. So that's definitely my thumbs down. I've been like sweating it out, but my, it kind of also turned into this thumbs up. Like, like you said, with this whole silver lining situation is that I saw that there were going to be a couple of nice days out. I decided to, um, to take some vacation time. And so I used the last two days I was able to get out of my hot apartment and go do some fun things. And one of those fun things, which is my thumbs up for this week, was just that I had a really great day yesterday. And if you don't mind, oh. I'm just going to share a little yes, bit about please. it. Because please. Because it do. was just such a good day. So, um, like I said, I had the day off. And then kind of coincidentally, I heard about this new plant shop opening up in Fredericksburg. And I had to go check it out because y'all know I'm obsessed with my plants. And it was kind of like, you can make an appointment. So y'all know I'm also kind of still kind of really anxious with <laughs> all the crowds and COVID. So the fact that I was able to make an appointment to just have like a one-on-one -on -one basically was just me and the shop owner and her daughters there um, was really nice. But 
uh, what made it even better was that I called my mom that day because my mom's a nurse and she works 12 hour shifts and she happened to be off. So I was just like, hey, like, do you want to ride down to Fredericksburg with me, which is like an hour away from here? And she agreed. So I got to spend the day and have quality time with my mom. And we rode down to Fredericksburg to shop plants. We ate some good food. And um, she's really, she loves my best friend as much as I do. <laughs> and so she got to meet Harrison for the first time. <gasps> so I got to see my bestie. And it just, my, my cup was full. Like I got to hang out with my mom and we don't get, you know, too much one-on-one, especially not with the pandemic, especially with, you know, just life, having multiple siblings, having totally. jobs, you know? So we got to have that one-on-one time. I got to hang out with my bestie. I got to eat good food. She offered to let me. I stayed over her house because it was so hot. And when I got inside, kind of bringing it back to the thumbs down, but there were points where my thermometer was reading over 90 degrees. So oh my gosh, she offers to let me stay with her. Like yesterday was good. So that's my oh thumbs my up. <laughs> Your day sounds incredible. And what a way to turn that around because 90 degrees. Oh my goodness. That sounds terrible. (laughs) I'm so glad you were able to find a reprieve from the heat and fingers crossed that things just cool down in the next couple of days for you too. Yes. I'm really hoping. So if you hear like a, any interaction on this (laughs) podcast episode, I do have a fan going full blast because I was like, I'm not going to make it Caitlin. I can't sit here. Not worth it. (laughs) What was your thumbs up for the week? My thumbs up is just that we have, going back to the teacher, we have 17 days left of school. That is my thumbs up. Um, No, but seriously, I'm so excited and like geeking out over my kids and how cute they are at the end of the school year. And they've just gotten to be so tech savvy for these little seven and eight year olds who are able to present their screen and share their screen. And they show up to all their Google meets with like their business people and they have all their supplies and they're willing to interact. And it's been a really unique experience this year to experience what we've been doing. I've been teaching kids from multiple different schools to see that connection in the community come together has been incredible. They've all given so much love and joy to one another, which just makes my heart so happy. So on the flip side, besides being teacher tired, I'm going to miss this group of kiddos so much just because it's been such a meaningful year. And I always feel like there's so much emotion at the end of a school year for any teacher. I mean, I didn't get to say goodbye to my kids last year because of the pandemic. And this year, like kind of not really but it's still memorable regardless. So yeah, I'm just ready for summer. I didn't think I'd ever really say that. And I just, this year has flown. Yeah, no, that's definitely going to be so special. Like you're going to remember these kids and they're going to remember this experience for better or worse. Right. Like you said, there's definitely some pros that came out of this. They got to develop a lot of skills. Caitlin works with second graders, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm amazed and proud of everyone that's just been, you know, the key word for this for last year was what pivoting, like everyone's been (laughs) able to pivot. (laughs) If we call back a certain friends episode, we could really throw that one together. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, that is just so, so special. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So Like Caitlin said, it is in May, and one of the things that we wanted to highlight going into this month is that Lupus Awareness Day, World Lupus Awareness Day, is actually on Monday, May 10th. 
And if you don't know, um, here's just like a quick definition of what lupus is, but basically lupus is an autoimmune disease that can affect really any part of your body. And unfortunately there's no cure for it at the moment. You basically really just have to manage your symptoms um, and you know, doctors do what they can to kind of keep you comfortable um, and just you know, deal with whatever comes up. And we thought that one of the ways that we can kind of honor this month and bring awareness to this month was to share the story of someone that I actually know who has her own lupus story to share. So we're so excited to be able to share that with you all. It has been a joy to be able to talk to Barbara and to listen to her story. I think it's definitely something that is incredibly important to hear and to understand more so about lupus. So we hope that you enjoy this and soak it up and maybe also spread some awareness as well. All right, everyone, we are here today with Barbara, who is actually someone I go way, way back with. Um, Miss Barbara, it feels so weird to say her name without the miss because my mom would like <laughs> hit me right now if she knew I was calling her just Barbara without it. But anyway, Miss Barbara, would you like to introduce yourself? Just kind of tell us a little bit about you, where you're from or any hobbies that you have. Hey, my name is Barbara Alexander, and uh, I'm from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And uh, I have recently retired. So that is like a new chapter in my life. And um, I'm very new at uh, being retired. So um, I'm trying to find my legs, my retirement legs. And right now I kind of feel like a fish out of water. I'm doing a little bit of everything. But um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, enjoy my retirement. Or trying to learn how to do it. I, I, I need to learn how to relax and then enjoy my, my retirement. But it's just weird. You know, it's just, um, it's kind of weird for me to, you know, be retired officially. Congrats, though. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a big that's thing. That's huge. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, we are so excited to be able to share a little bit about your story. And we wanted to share with people listening that May is Lupus Awareness Month. And we're really honored that you agreed to share about how lupus has impacted your life. Could you share a little bit about your diagnosis story? Oh, sure. Um, let me first say, um, you know, th there's a lot of look back um, in terms of my whole entire uh, lupus story. It didn't, it, the, the lupus story didn't just begin from the time that I was diagnosed. I essentially have had lupus all of my life, but I was only diagnosed with it after I had my second heart attack. And that was in, uh, 2016, I believe. Um, and, uh, you know, let's, say, uh, I, I want to say maybe when I was a teenager, um, I would have a lot of um, issues. Like I, I, I wasn't really good in the heat. Um, I, you know, I just, I would basically, you know, just fall out if it was too, if it was too hot, I'd get nosebleeds. Um, my menses were crazy. I would have like, you know, bleeding for uh, three or four months. Uh, I used to have to have blood transfusions. 
um, they would put me, and it was even before I became sexually active, they, they put me on birth control pills because there was so much bleeding um, during my menses. Um, and so they put me on pills to try to regulate that. And uh, I just always had something going on. And, and progressively over the years, it just, you know, it got worse. And I would say probably sometime after I turned 40, um, let's say my, my father, he passed away in 2012. And for uh, 10 years back from that, that's kind of when I uh, took on the responsibility to take care of him at the, uh, you know, in part of his life. He had a lot of health issues and, um, and so that was a huge undertaking, you know, to have a full-time job. I had a full-time business. I was married and I had a family and I had my father who was at the, you know, latter parts of his life and he had uh, a lot of health issues. Um, so I think that that probably was the most stressful time in my life that I can think of. And I struggled at that time in my life to find balance. Um, and uh, so after my father passed in 2012, um, you know, you know, things changed around a little bit, but, uh, you know, as the years kind of progressed, uh, I would find myself feeling, you know, um, very tired and, and not tired in the sense that I didn't get enough sleep, but just um, internally, you know, just uh, th there was something wrong. No matter how many hours I would sleep, I was still feeling like I was pulling around a building on my back. And uh, of course, I was having, you know, female problems and I, I would get terrible headaches and, you know, just things that I thought were above normal, uh, abnormal. Like, you know, it, it, they were very concerning. So um, 2014, I went to the hospital um, and I honestly didn't know what was wrong with me. I was having a conversation with a friend on the phone and they were really upset about something. It wasn't uh, pertaining to me. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that kind of, um, you know, soaks up energy. So if a person is really upset about something, I may, you know, on the surface look like, you know, a duck floating on, you know, on water. You don't see any movement, but underneath those legs are just a kick in, you know, that's kind of how I uh, absorb other people's uh, stress and, and, and energy. So my friend was on the phone going off and. And I couldn't catch my breath. I was just in the bed and, um, you know, letting them vent. And uh, I couldn't breathe. Uh, so I, you know, I struggled to sit up. I said, wait a minute, let me, you know, let me adjust myself. I, I was laying in bed and said, let me sit up in the bed. And I still felt like I was, like I couldn't really breathe and that there was a building sitting on my chest. So I said, I I'm going to have to call you back. I just cut it off really, you know, really short. I, I got to call you back. Hung up and I just slithered out of bed and I laid on the floor, uh, you know, thinking, okay, well, maybe, you know, I wasn't quite sure what was happening because I, I never really had that happen to me before. And I knew that I was sweating. That That's what kind of concerned me is the, you know, the, you know, the sweating, because I'm not a, a heavy sweater. And then my dog was frantic and kind of licking me on my face, which I don't like, but he was doing it anyway, because he cares. <laughs> and, um, 
so I got myself together enough, you know, to uh, put my sweats on. Um, I think I had a bra on, not sure. But I uh, got out to the car and I drove myself to the hospital. And when I arrived in the emergency room, the, the nurse at the desk, she was looking at me like, you know, like I was the walking dead. And um, I passed out right there. And I was in the hospital for about a week. I had had a heart attack. And um, that was the first time, you know, that I had some, you know, any kind of inclination that something was really, really wrong, you know. Um, so I had to learn, you know, adjust my life a little bit. Um, you know, I always uh, worked really, really diligently and, uh, you know, was a workaholic, supposedly. That's what my superiors say. <laughs> so I had to learn how to scale back and just kind of um, balance out my life and um, not work myself into the ground. And that was a huge undertaking because I've never been the type to one to like to sit around and, and, and do nothing. Um, because I always felt like if I wasn't doing something that I was wasting my life, you know, that time was just passing me by and I wasn't utilizing the gift of time properly. Um, so, uh, I, I had to learn how to, um, adjust, you know, to whatever, um, requirements the doctor had put on me at that time. Um, so I, I think that I got through that and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's just a fluke thing, you know, and it can happen. And they were, you know, running all kinds of tests and I saw all kinds of specialists and, and, you know, they just wrote it off as, you know, as, cause I didn't, you know, I didn't eat horribly. I didn't, you know, I've never done drugs. I've never been a heavy drinker or anything like that. So, um, you know, it was just, okay, well, I'll get through it. It was a little scary at first, you know, afterwards, because I'm like, what in the hell, you know, what in the hell's happening? But um, I'd say maybe a year after that, I started having a lot of female issues, um, more so than I had had in my whole entire life. And I've always had, you know, extreme, you know, female issues. Um I ended up uh, one day, I think this is in 2016 is when I had the second heart attack. My hair started falling out really bad. And at the time my hair was really long. I had grew it out. And um, I just remember, you know, again, feeling exhausted, you know, like I had ran myself into the ground. And I think for about two or three weeks, you know, I was going to this doctor and that doctor and this doctor because something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was. So I was going to every doctor I could. I went to a pulmonary. I, I, I went to every single specialist available to me. And um, I ended up going to my primary care physician or a new primary care physician. And um, she's actually the, the wife of the doctor that took care of my father for years. And he was an excellent doctor. So I go to her, she orders all these blood tests. And, um, and, and I saw, she saw where my hair was coming out. It, it was coming out in clumps, not like, oh, you brush it and a little bit of hair is coming out because you shed hair in the winter time. Cause originally that's what I thought it was, but it's like, I could run my, my fingers through my hair and I have like a whole bunch of hair in my hand. That was scary. And I remember talking to, um, 
I think he had, he had since retired. It was my um, employer. Um, we had worked together for about 12, 13 years. Um, and he's uh, become like a pseudo father and his wife, you know, kind of like my surrogate parents, Tom, because um, he's like a best friend too. I just told him, I said, Tom, something's wrong. You know, I said, I'm going to this doctor, that doctor, you know, cause he would call to check on me. He was concerned, you know? And I said, um, you know, I honestly, I, I said, I feel like I'm dying every day. And I said, I don't care what it is. I just want to know. And honestly, I thought I, I'm just going to be very vocal here and tell you, you know, I, I thought that maybe I had cancer or something, you know, um, but something was going on. I, I didn't know what it was, but I could feel like every single day I felt like I was, you know, dying. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, so I ended up going to having all this blood done. Um, and then I had made an appointment like a week prior to go see this dermatologist because I started breaking out and I had um, these things on my body that looked like chicken pox, but I knew I didn't have chicken pox because I had chicken pox when I was little. And um, I end up going to her and this is, a, you know, I had been to Sibley Hospital. I had been to Virginia Hospital, Alexandria, Fairfax, you know, having all these tests done on my on my um, lungs, on my breathing, on my um, abdomen. I mean, just, I, I am not exaggerating when I tell you I saw every specialist. This is my first time going to see the dermatologist. And um, she comes in, I've got a stack of, you know, of uh, a, a, a folder full of things, you know. And I was just like, Lord, somebody just tell me if I'm going to die, that's fine. Just I want to know what I'm dying from. You know, I that's just really what, mm -hmm. you know, what was in my mind about it. I go visit her. She looked through that whole folder of everything that I had. Um, she took a look at my skin and she I remember, you know, her touch was like, you know, when she was rubbing over, I guess, what I thought looked like chicken pox, you know, these little things on my back and my arms. And she would, she did it so nicely, you know, she was so sweet and she, you know, was looking at my tongue and looking in my ears and looking, you know, and she says, honey, she says, I don't think, and she looked at my scalp because I wanted to shave my hair because I look like a, like a newborn bird. Like there was long pieces of hair here and no hair here, you know, I just was crazy. And for me, I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm going to take control and I'm going to, you know, I'll take care of this. And I just couldn't wait to shave it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to lose all my hair, I'm going to do it on my terms. I'm going to shave it. But the, my primary care doctor told me not to, because if they wanted to take like a biopsy of my scalp or something, you know, just to leave it on. And she rubbed my hair and she said, um, she says, honey, I don't think that you have alopecia. She's like, I think that you have lupus. And I was like, great. What else? You know, I didn't even think about what lupus was. I was like, great. You know, I have lupus. Okay, great. You know, she says, I want you to get this done. I want you to get that, that done. She gave me all these medications and stuff. She said, I sent them to the pharmacy. Um, and she knew that um, my doctor, Dr. Pop, had, had um, ordered all these tests so that she was going to wait till you know, those tests came in and she was going to order some more. Well, up until that time, the, the few days I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really eaten because I was so, you know, I was unwell, you know, and I just didn't want to eat, I guess. 
But I said, I'm going to pick up those medications. I'm going to IHOP and I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, get some food and I'm going to shave my head. I was just so proud that, you know, finally I could shave my head and I can get something to eat and I know what I might have. I don't know. Um, just any kind of diagnosis, like a definitive diagnosis I needed, you know, just to have some peace in my life. So I, I'm on my way. I get my food. I pick up my prescriptions from the uh, uh, drugstore after I left her, the dermatologist. And as soon as I get in the door, the dogs, I had three dogs at the time and they're waiting for me at the door and I, you know, and the phone rings and it's, so it's my primary care physician. And she says, Barbara, sweetie, she's like, you need to go uh, to the emergency room. And I said, uh, okay. She says, your, uh, your hemoglobin test came back and it's like 3.4 or something like that. Something. I said, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? And she says, you could drop dead at any moment, Barbara, you need to call 911. And I've already called them ahead. So, and I'll meet you there. So, um, panic, you know, <laughs> that's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I was right. I, you know, I'm going to drop dead at any moment. So I think I called um, my significant other. I was in a relationship at the time I called him. And then I called my best friend who's in uh, South Carolina <laughs> and I'm in the Washington DC area, but I called her because she can help me. You know, I can keep myself calm usually, but if it's, you know, I have this thing about uh, hospitals and ambulance and, you know, because I had, you know, I took care of not only my father, I took care of my mother, I took care of my grandmother, my grandfather, you know, I think all my life I've had probably just enough of going to the hospital and being around hospitals and, you know, and so that was a developing issue that I didn't even realize that I had. But that definitely was an issue and it plays a whole lot, uh, you know, in my life a little, you know, some years later. Um, but anyway, I get in the car, you know, and they, that's something they tell you never to do um, when you're having a heart attack. But, you know, I didn't know I was having a heart attack the first time. And this time I wasn't having a heart attack. They just said I could drop dead at any minute. So, I, you know, I'm going to stay calm enough to go ahead and drive myself to the hospital. <laughs> because I feel, I don't know, my logic was like, I just could not get into an ambulance. I have, you know, I have an issue, you know, I just can't do it. And so um, I got on the phone, I'm on the phone with my girl and, and she's talking to me and she's, um, you know, she's staying on the phone with me until I get to the hospital and I go to Alexandria Hospital and I get there boom, I pass out right in the, right in the lobby after I tell them, you know, oh, well, she wanted me to come here, Dr. Pop, and boom, I passed out. And so when I woke up, um, my cousins were there. Um, it's hard to kind of remember because it seems like a lifetime ago, but I remember my cousins were there and the doctor came in and um, he was a really nice doctor too. And, you know, that makes a, a world of difference. I don't remember his name, but he said, um, Barbara, he had a heart attack. He says, I've got to give you some blood and I've got to give you, um, you know, some iron. So I think he said, but I need for you to sign a, a sign of, you know, a, a release saying that it's okay. Because at that point where I was, um, it could make my situation even, you know, even worse. I, you know, so you have to, your, your organs have to be stable enough for you to accept blood and iron. 
Um, so he ordered four bags of blood, four bags of iron, and they give it to you gradually. They can't overload you because then your organs will fail and, you know, and all that. And if I've already had a, you know, a heart attack, then um, it could just go ahead and, you know, take me up out of here. So um, they started to, you know, give me trans a, a transfusion. Um, they do the blood, then they would do the iron, they do the blood, they do the iron. And I think that ultimately I was only able to take like three bags of blood and uh, two bags of iron because I started having my organs started to fail and have um, complications. Um, I was in the hosp hospital for about a week and um, I came home uh, a little over a week. I, I came home from there and and, um, you know, a whole lot of other stuff happened, but, um, after that, um, so at that time in my life, uh, you know, I think Tom had, uh, retired. There was a new CEO that came in. Um, so that was like a major change because Tom and I were really, uh, you know, I'm very close with him and his wife and it's almost like you know, we're family. And so we had this new, you know, this huge change come in and uh, that was difficult um, because they usually, you know, in business, they say a lot of times that, you know, a, a new broom sweeps clean. So um, this particular uh, human being, uh, she was like completely different from, from what I was used to, you know, and um, I, I think at the time I was in the worst relationship I had ever been in in my entire life. So I was going through things there, you know, and then going through things at, you know, with with my work and uh, extremely stressful, uh, most stressful. I mean, I, I used to pride myself on thinking that I was a superwoman and I can handle everything, everything and anything. But, you know you know, I knew I had, I was an issue, you know, there was some things going on with my health and then, you know, you have stuff at work and then you have like, you know, a personal relationship that, you know, there was a lot of um, heavy things going on in my life at the time and it did not um, help me health wise. So um, I had some changes, you know, some things I, you know, I, I have, I don't know if I can mention, I don't think I can mention things or not cer certain things um, because I'm, you know, binded by law not to, <laughs> but um, that situation didn't work out. The, the working situation didn't work out. And I was there for about 13 years. Um, and how can I say this? Not everyone is compassionate when it comes to you having health issues. And um, if you are um, a minority um, in a male-dominated field, in a um, yeah, so I, I'll I'll just say that not everyone is compassionate when it comes to you know you needing certain things or or you know not being able to do you know do things. So um, Tom actually supported me. Um, and everyone there, you know, that I had built relationships with um, that that had worked there, um, there were some changes that needed to be made in my life. The, the work situation was one. Um, and um, 
And I'd like to talk a little bit about that because, you know, in talking about, uh, uh, you know, lupus, uh, when you have failing health and you're employed, um, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, people that are educated and compassionate uh, when you're having, you know, issues, that that's that's a blessing. But not a lot of people do. And I I really didn't realize that until um, my former uh, boss had left because uh, working with him was such a tremendous blessing. I mean, work-wise, um, you know, just, I, I've never, it, it's, it's such a special gift when you meet someone and they elevate you um, in every area of your life, like, you know, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, that is a dream friend. That is a dream family member, you know? So that's kind of what I had with him. He taught me so much. Um, and, uh, and not a lot of people and the people that I've talked to that have lupus, they have these, these, you know, jobs that, uh, don't accommodate their needs. And to me, that that is another issue. The one thing I will say on that, um, and we, I'd like to talk about that a little bit more if we, if we have time, but uh, I believe in having proper representation. And what I can't do, I can most certainly put my money behind someone that can do for me. So I believe in um, protecting myself. I believe in standing up for myself. I believe, um, you know, that you have got to be your biggest advocate uh, when you have lupus. And that means in every way, that means professionally, that means spiritually, emotionally, um, your relationships that you have, um, you need to sit down and take a, a, a long look at some of the relationships that you have in your life. And, you know, I saw something on the, um, <clears throat> on the social media platform, I think it might've been Instagram or, you know, one of those platforms. And I just, for whatever reason, it stayed with me, you know, you'll read some things and it just stays with you. And if you're like me, then you'll go ahead and snapshot it because you don't know how to tag it and all that other kind of stuff, but I'll snapshot it because <laughs> I want to keep it and I ponder it. And it really means something very deep to me, or it hits me uh, in a way uh, to kind of uh, maybe ignite a certain feeling that I'm having uh, and, and bring it to the, you know, the forefront of my mind so that I can ponder it. But it said something like, um, <clears throat> you know, and I'm going to paraphrase because I know I'm going to screw it up, but it said basically something like, go where people love you, not where you love people. Because a lot of times, you know, if you, lupus or not, this is just, you know, a human thing. We will be huge, um, we will be at service uh, in a huge way for the people that we love. And not, and it, it, and not, and, and sometimes that won't be reciprocated. That's a good way to run yourself into the ground. It's okay for other people to love you. And it's okay to go wherever that love is versus you, you know, going to, you know, where you love. So, um, you know, I don't know if I communicated that um, 
the right way. If I find it in my phone, I'm definitely going to send it to you after. But it, it just, it, it's been sitting with me and it says, go where the love is. You know, wherever the love is in your life, then that's where you need to invest time. Like I, you know, I had for an, uh, you know, an example, I had three dogs at the time. I'm a huge animal lover. And I really don't, I mean, I have all kinds of friends and stuff, but I actually have this group of friends that just kind of um, developed in my life um, over the past year or so. And we all have dogs. We all like each other. We all are important. Have, yeah, we all <laughs> genuinely like we all really like each other. We treat our dogs like they're each other, like our kids, each other's kids. Like we we tell each other's dogs, don't do that. Or do you know, we have full trust between us. It is such a gift. I'm telling you, forced is fake. Just let things happen in any area of your life and God will be a tremendous blessing to you. And he will send you the people that you need in your village because there is about 15 of us. We all like each other. We all like, we're supposed to go out tomorrow. Like we're all, you know, getting together to do stuff. We do games and it's always impromptu gatherings and we just have the best time. So, um, you know, if I like dogs, then, you know, and that's a happy place for me. That's where a lot of love is. I spend a lot of time with dogs. You know what I mean? Those people that make you happy, that inspire you and encourage you. People that's huge for me, people that I can learn stuff from. Oh my God, because I love to learn new things. And with my brain, because of the way that the lupus is, it can be mushy or it can be, you know, I can be on, you know, on um, on point some days and then others, I'm like, um, what's today? Was I supposed to do this? You know, I have kind of, you know, a, a tricky memory. So it's hard for me sometimes to, uh, you know, stay on task mentally with remembering things, but I do remember that one little Instagram thing and it basically says go where their love is. Wow. I mean, you, I know. <laughs> We're just you, doing the snaps. Yep. You, you just dropped so much um, in that. And no, we really appreciate it. It's, it's so important to just like hear one that, you know, that even getting to the diagnosis, the road to the diagnosis was such a long process that even just, you know, having a name to put with it was such a relief, even yeah. though, you know, it meant yeah, having to deal to with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you yeah. know that, you know what it is. I mean, I can totally relate to like, you know, just wanting to have an answer. Yeah. And when I was researching things, like one of the things that they were saying was just that how lupus is just so hard to diagnose because it manifests as so many different things. Like it can look like other diseases. It can yeah. look like a fluke, like you thought in the beginning where you were like, yeah, this is just a heart attack, I guess, because it was yeah. stress. But there was also underlying things that was building that up and, and adding to that stress and adding to, you know, the culminating health issue. So, yeah. Just, wow. and, and let me also just say, cause you know, I always say this, like when I've done interviews and stuff that, you know, I've had a heart attack, there's five, maybe five different kinds of heart attacks and the kind of heart attack that I have, um, because when you say heart attack, a lot of times people think, oh, well, you need a pacemaker. Oh, you have a blockage. Oh, this and that and the other. It's no, the kind of heart attack, and they call them MIs. Um, <laughs> but um, the kind of heart attack that I had is the kind of heart attack um, 
that I my heart attacks itself uh, mainly one because it doesn't have enough blood to pump mm-hmm. to work period <sighs> so I don't have enough blood in my body at the time for my heart to, to pump properly and then um, also you know there's a lot of uh, inflammation around my heart uh, I guess because it's trying to protect itself in a you know like your your body is like a danger zone internally um, and then also I have a very rare blood type for uh, an African American a lot of African Americans have uh, like O O you know negative or you know whatever I, I have a very rare blood type I have B positive and I think only like 19% of people in the world have blue, uh, B positive and then three I think less I'm going to screw my stats up my <laughs> but there's um less than 3% African Americans that have B positive blood so um and even like with my blood um with pregnancies and things of that nature you know, it causes problems. It causes a lot of problems because if you have B positive blood and then, you know, your baby has to go through extra things and have extra tests and stuff like that. So, you know, I, you know, that, that's always been, um, you know, a a, a factor for me too. Cause I remember when I was in the hospital the second time and the doctor and I were talking, he was trying to, you know, he was very cool, very calm, laid back. He, you know, he made me feel very relaxed and we were just kind of joking. And I he says, do you know what kind of blood you have? And I said, I have B, B positive. And he said, you sure? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. Cause that makes a difference on what kind of blood they can give me. Um, and then wanting to run other tests. And I said, well, you know, you got to be positive, you know, he's like, whatever we do, you know, we got to be positive. We're going to be positive. You know, so <laughs> he was really funny and, um, you know, he made me, um, you know, just kind of feel safe, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to mention about the blood, um, you know, I think that it's a good ideal to, uh, I, I, right now I'm reading this book, um, and it, it, it's, it, it's not a new book, but, um, there's different diets for different blood types. And this is just a book for diet period. Um, and because I have lupus and because I've had, you know, a number of M, um, MIs, I, um, I do a Mediterranean diet, which I've kind of always done. I've always been really funny about meat and stuff like that, especially because I worked at the Renderers Association for many years and and I, I got a huge education there on meat and stuff like that. But um, uh, with the book on top of having, you know, to do a Mediterranean diet, it is so interesting because my blood type, you would think that okay chicken is good for me it's so not it Mm. is so not Mm. good for my blood type like things like lamb I bought a a little leg of lamb for my dog the other day and I was going to cook that like I'm supposed to eat lamb I won't eat it because I'm not a big meat eater I'll eat a lot of fish and veggies and, and stuff like that but um you know diet is really important and this book is just 
I, I, I've had so many revelations in my life over the past year and changing certain things that I do on a day to day that I'm like, oh, my God, this, I'm going to live forever, you know, because <laughs> it makes you feel really good when you're, you know, you start to discover, you know, different things that are helpful to you. It's like it's so valuable. So I started reading this book um, and I don't know the name of it. I, I can't get up and get it right now, but. Um, I can send you that information after we're done. But this book, like you would think, I don't know, peanuts, you know, peanuts are supposed to be good for you. They're not good for me. You know, just very s specific things for my blood type. And they have this book for different blood types, like, you know, the diet that's best for O, o negative or O positive or AB negative, whatever. You know, they have these um, books and uh, materials and education out there. So that's uh, a huge part of what I've been doing on my um, healing journey too is just kind of reading about different things and trying different things out that would help me. That's pretty cool to hear just the scope of everything that you've learned from your mm -hmm. journey over the last, you know, more than 10 years and, mm -hmm. and even more so just the different resources that you've used as well to help you out. Do you have any other resources that have helped you along your journey? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, let's see. I do have, I, I could probably pull some out and then make sure that you have them at the end. But I, I just, I, I like to kind of give tips about different things that have helped me. One definitely is the diet. Um, the first and foremost that I always tell every person that has lupus, you have to have a therapist. Like mental health is number one. Like you have to have a therapist to help you kind of navigate all the ups and downs that come along with you having this illness. That's number one. Two, um, you have to have your support system and your support system could be, you know, a, a close friend, maybe some parents or your best friend or um, your very best friend. Or, um, you know, you, you have to build your own village um, outside of having your therapist because you don't want to, you know, kind of dump everything on, on, on your support system. Um, diet is a huge um, uh, proponent. Exercise. I, you know, we have a lot of joint issues and sometimes it, it can be excruciating and you can be having a really bad day. But um Exercise. I don't care. Like I have a dog, you know, he would have me, I have to walk him. So even when I was hurting, um, and he's an older dog now, but even when I was hurting on those, on those days, I didn't think I would make it. I knew that I had a responsibility to take him out on his walk. So it would force me to go out there if I felt like it or not. And ultimately it was a good thing for me. So even if you're hurting, you have to push past your pain sometimes. Um, I'm not saying, you know, go run a, you know, a marathon, but I'm just saying, you know, have a, you know, a certain standard um, or expectation for yourself, even on those debt, you know, those days that you just feel like you, you just can't do anything, get up and walk. Um, so the exercise um, reading the books and, you know, just doing, finding out, it, it's almost like finding, you know, like discovering yourself all over again, because I'm not the same person that I was prior to my diagnosis. 
I'm somebody completely different. And even though, you know, I, I like to think that people should be ever changing. You should, you should be ever evolving. You know what I mean? Um, I'm so not the person that I was prior to my diagnosis. So um, you have to have really good um, health care. Um, it's important. You know, you have to find out, one, what's important to you, because I believe that um, you have to have a partnership with, with your doctor. A lot of, like, if I would have listened to some of the doctors that I've had in my life, I would have been dead by now. So for me, you know, like I like to say, it's a partnership. You know, I've been in my body all my life. And if nothing else, this situation, you know, this, uh, you know, experience with having lupus has reinforced my belief in trusting myself. You have got to trust yourself. A lot of times people... We'll just do whatever the doctor says. Well, nah, not me. I'm going to read up and research every medication that they give me. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to, um, you know, ask them what they think about this treatment or that treatment. Or, you know, I will, I will do my due diligence. I am my biggest advocate when it comes to my health care. So, and that's a huge undertaking because you're too tired to do all of that. But you have to. You have to, or else you're just going to be taking 50, you know, prescriptions, you know, 50 pills a day that you don't need to take. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's one, um, one of the things. Also, there are so many uh, lupus um, support groups. When I tell you that I love my lupus brothers and sisters, I, I, I can't say that enough. I have gotten through... <clears throat> the things that I've gotten through in, uh, you know, these past few years because of my lupus brothers and sisters, you have got to get into a, a lupus uh, group that is for you. I'm in several. So, <laughs> so I try to be active in, in all of them. Um, but if it were not for the people that are like me, I, I probably wouldn't even be here right now. Because something would take, you know, something would take you out. You, you, you'll want to give up, you know, or, you know, a lot of people suffer from, you know, depression or anxiety. And, you know, for me <clears throat> with lupus, the, well, the one thing that I was going to do this year um, for lupus last year, I did a video every single day just talking about, you know, what my day was like and what lupus meant to me and how it affected my life. Which I I didn't mind doing it. I did. I, I I'm sorry that <laughs> that I committed myself to do it every single day for like 30 days. Woo! Because that was a lot for me, you know. And and even on those days you don't look good, you don't feel good, you know. You still have to push through, you know. But um, what I decided I was going to do this this year, I'm going to interview friends of mine people that are in my life, you know what I mean? People that have a front row seat and not everybody has a front row seat. You know, everybody has, you know, I put people in the back seat over there sometimes, you know, because that's what I need, you know, and, and then other people, you know, so I can one, see where I'm lacking in sharing um, and educating my people around me, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> about lupus because I get this a lot, Barbara, I forget that you even have lupus sometimes. They forget. Because one, that's, I think it's just a natural thing for a loopy to do. 
is to conceal. You know, and 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 I think I, I just don't know. I think that's my personality too, um, because I remember when I was a little girl, and I was you know going through something, maybe a preteen, and I was going through something, you know, and my mom says, you know what, B. She says, you're like a wild animal. And I said, well, what do you mean, mom? She says, well, when you're hurt, you, you retreat like a, a wild injured animal. And then when you're feeling a little bit better, you come out in the wild. And I thought that was such a, you know, it didn't bother. I, I didn't think twice about it when she said, it. I was like, hmm, you know, but it came to me at later on, like years, she had, she had since passed away. And then for whatever reason, <clears throat> whatever was going on in my life at the time, I was actually catching myself doing what she said I do, you know? And so that's when I remembered that she said, you know, that this is my norm, this is what I do. And I think on top of having lupus, you do it even more because when you don't feel good, you don't wanna be bothered with people, you know? You just don't, you know? And some people, well, that's for me. Some people might need and want people to be around them. I don't. I'm like, Lord, just let me lay in this bed for the next 30 days. You know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm used to um, taking care of my, myself and it's harder for me to be vulnerable because I wasn't taught to, you know, how to be vulnerable. And so that's another thing I've had to work on because I've had the, some people very, very close to me say, B, this is where you need to call us. You know, <laughs> this is where you need to be communicating. And, and of course, these are the people that, you know, if something happened to me, their lives would be affected the most. You know what I mean? Like we all have yeah. friends and we all have family, but these are the people that like, if you're out of here, their life changes drastically, you know? So, um, I, you know, you're still learning and growing in your own disease of what you need, what the people that love you the most need from you, you know, stuff like that. Cause you forget that, oh damn, I got people that love me. I just need to communicate and I need to ask for help was a huge one. Cause I, I was not a big proponent of, uh, of asking for help. I really hated to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I probably, I still don't know how to do it. Um, but I'm learning more, you know, uh, how to do that. Cause I, I think with asking for help to me, somehow it computed as, um, being weak. Weak. I knew you were going to say that it, it came yeah. off as a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I want to say, you know, it, it could be, you know, a um, African-American thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's an African-American thing, a woman thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that is. But, I, you know, I was raised, you know, I, I just keep everything very close to the cuff. And um, I don't always, you know, ask for help. And I think a lot of that is, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think that it's like, being open, your opening up yourself to be vulnerable, you know, and that's just something I, 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 I'm not good at. I, I need, I need help with. So I'm working on that. I'm, I'm learning how to be uh, vulnerable. And I think that I learned how not to be vulnerable, vulnerable with how I was raised. And then also any kind of relationships that I had that I experienced some sort of rejection 
then you want to self-protect. And so I, I think that's where that behavior comes from, I think. So. Oh, man. Okay. Again, several points that I want to make. Um, <laughs> one thing that I just like really want to point out before I lose it is that okay. um, something that my mom has always said to me is the importance of having an advocate or being your own advocate, which is something that you touched on um, as far as not only just within having illness, not only within, you know, different areas of the medical world, but that's also where, where, you know, a lot of people need that. Because like you said, you know, your body, you know, when something is wrong. And um, one of the, the big issues in healthcare, and it's something that I feel passionately about, and I've talked about my platform before, is about how there's, you know, certain groups of people that are just less likely to be listened to, whether it be socioeconomic status, whether it be your race or your gender. There are groups of people that are not listened to when they say, hey, I'm in pain. Hey, I'm experiencing this. This doesn't feel right. And they'll try to you know, settle you down by like saying, okay, I'll give you these medicines or this is what we think it is, you know, without investigating further unless you push. Right. And I mean, I've just wanted to pass that message along here too, because um, when I've shared things about, you know, just mortality rates when it has to do with pregnancy and things like mm -hmm. that, when I've shared stuff like that, my mom has been like, okay, just make sure you tell people to be their advocate, be their own advocate or find someone that can advocate for them. Yeah, Because if you don't, then it's an injustice to you and you're going to have to deal with, with things that you wouldn't have had to deal with. So yes, exactly. in medicine, definitely do that. So I wanted to bring that, that point back out because you had so it's many important. points in there, but yeah. that is definitely something that's in, it's just so important with, with the lives that people live. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, just thank you for all of that. Um, and I just also <laughs> wanted to say just in general that like, I find you to be such a positive person um, in every experience that I've had with you personally, you. seeing yourself on Facebook, you sharing, you know, um, I've seen you share content about uh, your lupus brothers and sisters, as you call them, and mm -hmm. cheering for people. And the series you did last year helped me learn more about the day-to-day -day life. So we might actually have to talk and see if there's a way to like do some type of small video log or something where we can share to kind I of give that. context yeah. for um, this episode or give context just for Lupus Awareness Month in general. But um, mm -hmm. I lost myself in that. I just, I, I took a lot of value out of what you were saying. So thank you for sharing that. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. We didn't touch about the, I actually have a lupus sister right now. I'd like to share this, this story before, you know, we go on to the next thing, but she, um, we hadn't talked about like um, like you said the mortality mortality rate and things like that, but she she's uh, she got diagnosed with lupus probably a, a year before me, and when I tell you it's, it, it's stuff like this, okay, so I have had a a very long history and of of miscarriages. I've had a lot of miscarriages. I've had a stillborn. Okay. And that is something, you know, that is so hard to talk about, you know, as I, you know, continue to rip off the layers of, you know, of, of skin that I have, you know, I, I will grow to, you know, talk more about it, but I talk a lot 
with my lupus and brothers and sisters because some of these people are so phenomenal. Like I'm thinking, like, I can't even believe that God let me meet this person. This is how mm-hmm. awesome I think that they are. There's a woman, she, my lupus sister, she was diagnosed a year before me. She has had two stillborn, uh, two stillborns. She has had like multiple, uh, uh, they call them spontaneous abortions, but miscarriages, like eight miscarriages. She's younger mm-hmm. than me. I'm 48. She's younger than me. And I've been praying for a child for her and her husband because that's what they want. And I know this is kind of silly, but my aunt sends these things to like horoscope things. Um, I'm an Aries. So she sends these uh, Aries things to me. Uh, you know, and, and I look at them because, you know, that's my aunt and she's doing it because she loves me. So I looked at this one particular one and it said that someone very close, this, this one from this one, this one particular woman, she said someone very close to you. She says, and I never, I never come out and say exactly what it is. She says, somebody very close to you is, is, is pregnant or going to become pregnant like right before May, she said. And this is about a month or two ago. And immediately I thought about my sister, my lupus sister, immediately. Because I know what that one is. You know, I know what that one is. I know how it, how you feel. She's got this phenomenal husband, you know. If the guy's good and the family's good, I'm like, yeah, let's make a baby. You know what I mean? Let's, let's get us a baby. So, um and I immediately thought about her. So I have been praying for her and her husband and for her womb. And I gave her all these uh, books that I had, you know, that I had read, you know, during my time. And um, she told me the other day, I was like, well, what is going on with you? I said, you know, I, I don't know how I, how we even, how I even got on that topic, but we were face to face and I was talking to her. I was like, you know, what do you mean you're not feeling well? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm doing our lupus thing. And she's like, okay, I can't help it. She's like, I'm pregnant. And I because <laughs> she, did, she didn't want to tell anyone because she's had such a hard time. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and all of this. And I, I talked to her so, for so many hours and I said, baby, it's going to happen. You just got to be positive. You just got to, you know, just because you have had eight miscarriages, just because you have had two stillborns, it's it you're gonna have a baby you know just keep mm-hmm. at it and just think because you know they we need or you know they when you're in a situation like that you need positive people around you you need to be able to say how you really feel if you're stressing out you know about something and you're during a time when you and your husband are trying to get pregnant and stuff it's important just to have the most loving people around you so mm-hmm. That's what I want for her. That I mean, that's, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. So she's pregnant now. And then the other day, she um, she was so upset and, you know, highly emotional. She's like, you know, I was, she started spotting and she started, you know, having mm-hmm. some clumps and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, this is what you do. So I told her what you do, you know, what, what to do. 
And so she called the doctor. She wanted to get in there earlier to have an ultrasound. And then, of course, they're taking her um, beta test to make sure that her hormones are, are still increasing and doubling and tripling. And um, and so we were out there uh, walking our dogs and stuff and talking. And um, I think I went to talk to somebody else when I was walking my dog. And, there, and I had her dog because I want her to sit down. I, I would walk her dog for her. So... Um, she came running out of nowhere and she's just like, I got it. I, you know, she was just like, I got the call from the doctor. The hormones are tripling, they're doubling. And we just hugged and cried and hugged and cried. And and I just told her, I said, see, this is a day where we win. Lupus doesn't win today. We win today. You know, but it's an everyday walk. Like it, it, there's so many ups and downs and amazing people that I've met. You know, it, it's it's just crazy. I've lost a lot of friends that have lupus, you know, that I became um, instant friends with. Um, you know, they've gone, but then we use their, their um, transition as motivation to keep, you know, trying to bring awareness to lupus, you know? It's amazing. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I have been quoted by saying that um, lupus has actually been a blessing in my life. Even though it has terrible things to go along with it, it has blessed my life so because my life is so full of genuine people that love me, you know? They don't just love that I love them. And, you know, people that pour out into my life the same way that I poured into theirs and, you know, people that are all just real and authentic. You know, I always say forced is fake. And I've gotten to a point in my life, I don't have the energy to, you know, you know, generate and support these relationships that are, are not real for me. You know, I just don't. And um, I won't do it anymore. I don't care if it's a family member or a longtime friend, you know, things change because they're supposed to change. And, um, and I'm so glad that, um, I've been able to have this experience, you know, to have a lupus experience, especially because um, my life has been changed for the better because of it. Oh, my mm. goodness. I'm just in awe just listening to you because of your positivity, but also because of that strength and the perspective that life has been. It almost sounds like enriched because of this journey and this road that you've been on. Yeah. So many huge things that I, I like even now I just want to take away from and say this is just a lot of what you were saying was resonating with me. I can't even touch on all of the things. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. You're welcome. Thank you for letting me share. So the the last final like question before we get into the flash round that I want to ask you okay. is um, what is one thing that you wish that others knew about when it comes to living with a chronic illness? Um, because I think we kind of we kind of said a couple of things about how, you know, you may not even know that it exists or mm -hmm. um, the fact that sometimes chronic illness can be kind of invisible and that mm -hmm. you, you may not present, it's not something you're walking, you're not walking around with a sign that says I right. have lupus, right? But right. you're still hurting, you're still going through all these different things. So what is something that you wish that someone else who may not be dealing with what you're dealing with mm -hmm. would know? I think it kind of goes back to 
you know, the, my roots. And uh, I think about my grandmother a lot. Um, you know, my, my, my father's, I, I, and I didn't find this out until later um, that my aunt had lupus. She actually died of complications of lupus. My dad's sister did in 2000. Um, but it, it kind of reminds me, rem, reminds me of my grandmother in the sense of, you know, when you meet people, when you interact with people, no matter who they are, offer grace. Offer them grace. I mean, it, it's just down to the, you know, to the beginning of, of, of my time. My grandmother always, you know, it was important to her that I represent, you know, my family in the sense that when I interact with you, that you had some grace, you know, that I, that I was able to offer you some kind of grace because everyone, everyone is going through something, you know, everyone, even if they don't have a chronic disease, you know, maybe they're, you know, grieving or maybe they have multiple things going on at one time and, and then they just show up with a smile on their face. Um, you know, just give everybody some grace. I mean, people get upset, you know, sometimes we have tiffs with people. Sometimes people get on our nerves. You know, sometimes we have bad attitudes and sometimes we're impatient with people, you know, but, you know, everything that in, in terms of grace that you, that you can give to yourself, give it to other people, you know, give it to yourself and give it to other people. You know, and then also because there are a bunch of um, no matter what you do, there's always going to be mean people and people that haven't had enough experience in life that will humble them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Offer them grace, too, because. If you don't, then they, you know, you get to stay attached to that experience. And that's just taking up space in your life, your emotional life, or, you know, you don't want to give any room to, um, you know, someone that you, you, you don't prefer. You know, everybody has someone that they don't prefer. You know, you don't want to give that any space in, in your life. So give grace, you know, give grace. And and get some for yourself too, you know. That's that's with anybody, anybody. But especially the people that have chronic illnesses, you know. I think for me, I love to meet people that have lupus because those are the best human beings I've ever met in my life. I think Caitlin and I like instantly started like almost tearing as soon as you said <laughs> that your takeaway was to give grace. Like I think both I'm of us were like. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We are. Like you said, with, you know, it goes for everyone. I think that this pandemic, I think that a lot of things has has humbled me in a way where it was kind of like, you know what, life would be so much easier if we all just treated people as humans, if we were all just nice to each other. Like, I don't know how else to say, but just know that everyone has everything go has something going on behind closed doors like you said and in mm. whatever even if they are 
if, if there is some type of outlash, uh, something that's happening to you, like you think is happening to you, yeah. like it might not even be about you. Like that yeah. person cutting you off in traffic, like maybe they were oh rushing because they needed to do something or maybe it was for no good reason. But either yeah. way, it's just like, like you yeah. said, just have grace like that. And forgiveness. I mean, yeah. that really does clear up so much space in your life to yeah. forgive others and move on. Yeah. And it can yes. be a hard thing to do <clears throat> yep. if, <clears throat> if you're angry or you're still in your feelings about something or even hurt. You could be, you know, devastated by something. And I got, I've been devastated by things, you know, and by people like, you know, I, I think I was talking to a friend one day about, you know, something and, and he's like, you know, people don't, you know, you're, you're shocked, you know, I, people don't shock me. And I'm like, well, you're lucky. Cause I, you know, I must be stuck on stupid or something. Cause I can't, I mean, I'm just amazed by some things, you know, but then I think about it and I'm like, <clears throat> do I want to hold, have this to hold on to, to talk about two years later? No, I don't. Cause mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'm going to be here two years later. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many friends right. I've lost because of the pandemic? You know what I mean? I lost a very good friend of mine and changed my whole life. <clears throat> he was a part of my day to day. And um, he he was one of those people where I go, you know, where the love is, mm -hmm. you know, I went where the love is because he's he was a great friend to me. And I just don't have I, I just you don't I'd rather use the little bit of energy that I have my lupus energy to put it somewhere else where it's going to be useful, you know, some grace and, mm -hmm. and some forgiveness. So I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, and, and let me also say, don't put yourself in a situation where you, you have to constantly do that now. Okay. That's not, <laughs> you're like, I'm saying have grace, but at the same time, don't, don't play don't, yourself. Don't yeah. exhaust don't, yourself. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't get taken it. advantage, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, I'm For giving sure. out grace. I'm giving out forgiveness. I'm giving out, uh-oh, that's it. The line is closed. <laughs> yep. the advice, don't see Oprah too often. Your advice yeah. goes hand in hand, right? You have to give yeah. people grace, but also go where the love is. So as long there as you're you keeping yep. keeping yeah. both principles in mind, you should, yep. you should be fine. I love yeah. that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You got to well, have balance. <sighs> I mean, I don't know how many times we're going to say this and we're probably going to say it like three, three more times in this episode, but we're just so fortunate that you agreed to share some of your yes. story with us. Um, and it, it just means a lot. So we hope that we can continue to help spread awareness. I know that's going to be one of my goals for this um, month, especially, you know, mm -hmm. I know it, it's beyond this month for sure. And it's something mm -hmm. that, you know, now that I, I have more knowledge of, you know, like you said, keep growing. When you learn something, take that knowledge with you and, and use it in the future. Um, yes. So, yeah. So just thank mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah, but truly. We are going to switch gears, though, and we're going to get okay. into our flash round, which listeners, if you are here for the first time, our flash round is where we ask a couple of nonsensical questions. They don't have anything to do with what was going on in the episode or anything <laughs> to do with each other, even. They're just questions that we're going to ask in order to get to know Barbara a little bit. And um, Barbara, you're allowed to just give the first thing that comes to your mind, or you can elaborate uh -oh. if you want to. Um, <laughs> okay. It just depends, Okay. Okay. Um, so your first flash round question is if you if there was one chore that you never had to do again, what would it be? Folding clothes. 
that's it was a good instant. One. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I oh, may please. or may not have clothes on my bed right now. It's fine. No, yep. still yeah. <laughs> I hate folding clothes. I have always hated folding clothes because I if if I do it, it has to be neat and proper and and I just I don't want to do it anymore for the rest of my life. I don't. <laughs> no, I love it. That was a good one. That, that was, was one. really good. Okay. <laughs> you prefer a phone call or a text? Depends on the person. Fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Yep. There's some people that I'm like, oh yeah, like that FaceTime me that it is completely normal. And then like yeah. someone out of that group, you're just like, wait, what what why are you? Was this that? an accident? Yeah. Right. You start having a panic. <laughs> you're like, is this supposed to happen? Are you like, worried? Is there something going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So if we were in a post-pandemic, a non-pandemic world, where would the next place you travel to be? New Zealand. Oh. Yeah, I, I want to go to New Zealand so bad. I want to go to the Blue Lagoon. You it know looks what? amazing. You're going to mm. get there. We're going to manifest are. that for you. Yes, thank you. We're going to manifest you. that for you. Yep. you. Okay, what is your favorite meal of the day? My favorite meal of the day is lunch. I think lunch, lunch, yeah, yeah, lunch is, it, it, because there is, to me, it feels like so many more options. Plus, you can eat as much as you want, you know, or as little, and then you can just, you know. I think lunch is my favorite. I think it's the best of both worlds, right? It's so good. Yeah. Trying to do whatever you want with it. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Right. And our last question is the question that we ask all of our guests on the Virtually Best Friends pod. Mm-hmm. Did we just become best friends? No, darling. We've been best friends. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, thank you <laughs> so much again for you coming are so on the pod welcome. with us. Truly, you are so welcome. Uh, we so I'm appreciate so, you. I know you do. And Caitlin, this is my first time meeting you, but I just it's think so you're nice just to the meet you. thing. And I really appreciate you all taking the time to do this. I know that um, all of my lupus brothers and sisters would be very grateful because we need all the help and raising awareness that we can get. I really appreciate your time, your energy. I appreciate you making me feel comfortable because, you know, I'm human. I did have a little bit of anxiety about, you know, interviewing and and stuff like that, but I always have that. So you just made me feel so comfortable and I I thank you for your grace. Oh, absolutely. Truly. We just so appreciate it. I know I've learned a lot today and I hope I know that people listening have learned a lot as well. So thank you so much for sharing all of your your journey with lupus, as well as your incredible wisdom too. I think even for people who have heard about lupus, hearing the wisdom is always such a good reminder. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm very proud of you too. Oh, Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, friends, we are so appreciative of you being here today. Um, We will be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much again.